Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 329. It's been a while since I had a cruise preview podcast episode, but this week I'm sharing a look at what I have planned for my upcoming Royal Caribbean cruise on the newly refurbished Oasis of the Seas. Here we go. This week I'll be going on Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas not once, but twice and I wasn't really ever planning on doing this cruise originally. Next week is Thanksgiving, and I've done a lot of Thanksgiving cruises over the years, and I thought, well, since we did Thanksgiving on a cruise last year, and I think the year before that as well, I figured we were overdue to spend actually Thanksgiving with my family. But as it ended up being, uh, my sister had gotten married actually the week before this particular cruise, two weeks before the cruise, I should say, and so my parents basically called off Thanksgiving saying they weren't doing anything special, so I think this is an opportunity or an excuse, depending on how you look at it, to book another Royal Caribbean cruise. Now, originally, we were booked on Harmony of the Seas, and I love Harmony of the Seas, right out of Port Canaveral, Florida. You know, it, it's it's easy, it's for the whole week, and, um, you know, it's one of, it is my favorite ship in the fleet. And since my kids do get off for the entire week of Thanksgiving, doing a seven-night cruise just makes a whole lot of sense. Well, that was the plan. And then when we got closer to final payment date, I realized the price of that cruise was a little more than I was looking to spend. And I was looking at a couple different options. There were some interesting choices like Allure of the Seas, even Adventure of the Seas was offering even, an, I believe, an eight-night cruise, if I'm not mistaken. So there were some other choices I could have gone on. But Oasis of the Seas drew me to Thanksgiving week for two reasons. Number one, it was far less expensive than Harmony of the Seas, which is a little surprising. I'm guessing Miami versus Port Canaveral, I'm not so sure. But the second reason, the most compelling reason, is it is actually the first sailing back for Oasis of the Seas after her refurbishment uh, that's going on. In fact, the entire month of October, and even a little more than that, Oasis of the Seas has been out of service, getting $165 million in upgrades, changes, and enhancements. And to be on the first sailing, uh, of, of any new ship or any ship that's comes back from an amplification is a big deal because it's a good opportunity to get a first-hand look at what the ship has to offer. So while I think it's a great choice for my family vacation, I also can't help but not look at it from my blogger standpoint and say, mm, you know what, that's going to be a really good uh, quote-unquote research cruise to check out. Now I say there's two sailings because we booked the Thanksgiving sailing, great. Well, as it turns out, Royal Caribbean invited me to sail on a two-night employee shakedown cruise a couple days before our family cruise. Now, employee shakedown cruises are uh, something that occur, again, in the days leading up to a ship returning to service. It's kind of a dry run, if you will, in which the ship runs as normal, but instead of having you know paying guests on board, they have Royal Caribbean employees on board. It's an opportunity to really test things and make sure that everything kind of is running the way they're expecting and, and also make any tweaks or enhancements they need to make. I was actually lucky enough to be invited on Navigator of the Seas Employee Shakedown earlier this year. So this is not the, my first time doing this, but this will be obviously on Oasis of the Seas. And for me, this is also really advantageous because as I joked earlier about my family vacation and, and, and a research trip, you know, having two days on the ship without the without the kids will allow me some time to see everything and, and get the, the most important stuff out of the way. So that way, the first day of our family vacation, I'm not running around like a madman trying to get everything done in there. And there's a little more time with the family. So there you go. That's kind of the, the, the lowdown of why we booked Oasis of the Seas. I haven't been on Oasis since 2009. That was my very first Royal Caribbean cruise on Oasis. This is my second cruise overall, but my very first one on Oasis. And that was actually, believe it, here's a little bit of Royal Caribbean blog trivia. Oasis of the Seas was the impetus for RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. And 
back about a little about 10 years ago or so. I was so excited for my Oasis of the Seas cruise that I just wanted to, I needed an outlet for it. And I came up with the idea of royalcaribbeanblog.com. So it's kind of a bring things full circle, if you will, back on board the ship. And cruising over Thanksgiving, by the way, has proven to be a really good time a year to go. I will tell you that I've done Thanksgiving now on Brilliance of the Seas, Independence of the Seas, and Symphony of the Seas. And first of all, there are a lot of great deals on Thanksgiving week. My my friend Billy from CruiseHabit.com is utterly convinced that if you're looking for one of the best last-minute deals, wait till like three or four weeks, maybe even six weeks before Thanksgiving and look for a last-minute deal on cruises. He actually found a couple different choices available. Obviously, he didn't just consider Royal Caribbean, but there, there's pretty some really low prices over Thanksgiving week if you can take that time off. I'm guessing that a lot of people want to spend Thanksgiving at home and then look to the holidays in December to as an opportunity to get away. And that's why you see so, so much higher prices over over Christmas and New Year's versus Thanksgiving, which we, we have definitely seen some really good deals out there. And it, it's a fun time to go because, first of all, the nice thing about doing a Thanksgiving cruise is there's no cleanup. There's no cooking on your part. Royal Caribbean takes care of everything. And not to worry, they're still going to have a special menu in the main dining room that offers your traditional Thanksgiving fare. So it's not like you have to compromise on having a Thanksgiving meal. It's a really fun thing. We've done this a couple of years, as I mentioned. And so I'm pretty excited for the opportunity to get on board the ship and check out everything that's new in there. Because that's really what it is. We're really blending, you know, seeing all the new enhances, all the new changes coming to Oasis, as well as, of course, enjoying a great family vacation. I mean, they're adding a ton of stuff to the ship. You know, you've got water slides, you've got a laser tag, you've got a brand new show in the Aqua Theater, Neo 80s. Uh, there, there's some really cool things being added. Adventure Ocean is being redone on here. So there's a lot that's kind of drawing us to this ship, and I'm really excited for that one. And, you know, all these upgrades, I think, we're going to try to do as much as we can. It's hard to ever do it all in one particular sailing, but, you know, it's one of those things where try to do as much as you can and, and enjoy the rest. And, hey, if, there's an, if, the, if that means we have to book another cruise afterwards in order to see the rest, it's all good. Now, for the seven-night sailing that we're going on, we have connecting ocean balcony rooms. Getting two rooms out of one larger room is one of my favorite family cruising tips because it provides enough space for everybody, you get an extra bathroom with two rooms, and it is quite often less expensive than a single larger room. And uh, my wife insisted on getting a ocean-facing balcony room, so we're going to do that. And it, having two rooms connecting, it's the way to go. If you have a family of four, even five, this is, I don't, I don't care how old they are, you want to get two connecting rooms rather than trying to put everybody in one room. I think it's just definitely the way to go there. Uh, not our first time by any means doing a ocean balcony there, so nothing terribly surprising about that. Now, in terms of where we're going, our cruise is a seven-night sailing, and we'll be departing from Port Miami, and we'll visit three different ports, San Juan, Puerto Rico, Charlotte Amalie, St. Thomas, and Labadee. Now, for San Juan, Puerto Rico, ordinarily, 99% of the time, I would be sitting here and tell you, hey, we're not going to book any excursions. We're going to walk off the ship and explore Old San Juan. But we're not doing that this time. And the reason is because if you fast forward about, I don't know, about six weeks from now, I'll be doing another preview episode about Freedom of the Seas. And that cruise departs from San Juan. And on that sailing, we're actually flying in a couple days early to do exactly what I was just talking about earlier, which is just explore Old San Juan on our own. And so with that in mind, it seemed kind of silly to spend any time here in San Juan, this go around in Old San Juan. So as a result, did some research, tried to find something a little different to do. And I found a day pass for the Marriott Resort and Stellaris Casino. It's in, I guess, New San Juan, if you want to call it that. 
and it offers you know your typical day pass resort type amenities. You get access to the beach, access to the pool. There's some water slides features. Uh, it's not at all inclusive, so it's not like you can order as much food or drink as you want. But it does come with a twenty dollar food and drink stipend, and it seems like a pretty good fit. I'm not saying that looking at it, it looks like a slam dunk best choice I've ever made necessarily, but I am curious about this. I think it's a good opportunity to try something different because. I, of all the Sailing San Juan, I think every single time I've always just walked around Old San Juan. So it might be nice to do something a little bit different here and have an opportunity to enjoy the warm weather. Uh, certainly enjoy San Juan when maybe it's not feeling like surface of the sun. We were there in July 4th over Anthem of the Seas. And my goodness, it felt like the surface of the sun in San Juan. So this time it looks like it'll probably be, you know, in the mid 80s and maybe not so humid. So it'll be a good beach day. We'll enjoy that. For St. Thomas, you know, I am dying to get back to St. John. It's been a couple of years. I think it was like July 2017, 2016. We went on Harmony of the Seas to St. Thomas and, and visited St. John for the first time. Now, we want to go back and we want to bring our kids with us. The thing is, we're not sure how we're going to do it. Royal Caribbean does have an excursion that offers a, uh, basically just, you know, it provides transportation to, to St. John from the ship. And that'd be nice because, of course, getting to St. John involves a tender ride. So obviously, it's nice to have that peace of mind with booking with Royal Caribbean for that regard. The problem is the excursion on the website only lists there being two hours worth of time in St. John. And we're, we're there significantly longer. Like the whole excursion is four hours. And we're in St. Thomas for at least, I think, eight hours. So I guess what we're going to do is we're going to get on board the ship, go to the shore excursion desk and say, hey, you know, is there any way we can book this excursion, but then like take a different ferry back or just simply not report back and, you know, go on our own? Like, is there a little flexibility in this? Because having only two hours seems kind of like a waste, you know, especially since we have so much more time in port there. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not, a, if all else fails, we'll simply do it on our own like we did last time. It's very easy to get to St. John. You have to essentially take a tender from St. Thomas and then you take a taxi once you get into St. John to one of the beach areas. St. John is a, is a giant national park, essentially. And there's some, the most beautiful beaches I've ever been to are in St. John. We went to Cinnamon Bay last time. We may end up going to Trunk Bay this time just to mix it up. I'm not sure. But at any rate, uh, I'm really looking forward to things because, again, it was so amazingly beautiful in terms of the watercolor, water clarity, the the beach conditions. Uh, the only problem I can say about St. John is there's absolutely no facilities. So if you're looking for a cabana and somebody bringing you drinks with umbrellas in them, it ain't happening here. You'll be lucky if there's a food truck outside that can provide something. There's not even beach chairs. So, yeah, it's a little more rustic in that regard, but the natural beauty of it makes up for it. You just got to spend all your time in the water, I guess. And lastly, we have Labadee. Now, one of the things, it's kind of funny or ironic, I guess, in that I'm always advocating planning, 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 planning. And when it comes to cruises, I only ever plan one cruise at a time. It's it's a little silly, but I never really spend much time, like, I, if I've got a couple of cruises coming up, what am I talking about, if, when I have a couple of cruises coming up, I don't usually, you know, start looking at those other cruises until they become the next cruise to book. Now, this has backfired on in, in this regard because for Labadee, what do I usually do? If you've listened to this podcast, as you know, I'm a huge fan of renting a cabana. Well, by the time I got around to looking at this sailing, all the cabanas were booked up on Royal Caribbean's website. So here's my plan of strategy. Number one, when we get on board the ship, while we're talking to the shore excursion desk about the St. John's Ferry, I'm also going to be asked to put on a wait list for any cabanas, whether those cabanas are at Barefoot Beach or Nellie's Beach. We'll see. Do I expect it to come through? Probably not. I really don't expect it to be the case. I've checked periodically on the website every now and then, every couple days, to see if anything has changed. I have not seen anything yet to that effect, but 
you know, weirder things have happened, and I'd be willing to uh, purchase Cabana if it became available. If not, yeah, that's a good question. I really don't recall the last time I went to Labadine, didn't get a Cabana, but I suspect we'll probably go to either Nelly's Beach or Columbus Cove and just enjoy some time there. Um, you know, there, there's Labadine is really a port where you spend the time just simply relaxing and enjoying your time there at the beach. It's a beach day, you know, just like you're going to a local beach. You don't need to have a cabana to have a great time. Don't get me wrong on that. So I think that's kind of how we're going to look at it and, and go from there, um, certainly. In terms of the dining on board the ship, you know, we wrestled a lot about what we wanted to do. I'm a big fan, especially dining. My wife is even more than I am, but I do like doing the main dining room. You know, when we were on Anthem of the Seas this summer, I, my, my, I always enjoy the main dining room, but my love for it was rekindled because we had excellent service there. I had a really, really nice time. And again, my wife loves the, loves, she doesn't love the main dining room. She enjoys the main dining room. I love the main dining room, but we're gonna give it a try. We're actually gonna change it up a little bit. We're gonna do my family time dining. Historically, I think every cruise we've ever had our kids with us, we always book late seating in the dining room, and that, which is eight o'clock p.m. And before that, you know, we'll, we'll take the kids up at about uh, six o'clock p.m. to go eat in the Windjammer, feed them, and then at seven o'clock p.m. the Adventure Ocean opens up. Drop the kids off, and my wife and I enjoy a drink or two somewhere on the ship before dinner time at eight o'clock. That's always been our mo, and the reason we did it for this way was because our kids were pretty young, and the idea of sitting with them in the dining room didn't really make a whole lot of sense because they were they got a little stir crazy. They didn't love the food menu options in there, and it just we enjoyed just having kind of a meal to ourselves. Well. My kids are getting a little bit older now, and I feel like, <clears throat> number one, having them with us is kind of a, I, I kind of want that as, as, a, as a dad. I kind of like the idea of having those family meals together. I think that's what makes cruising so much fun. And on top of that, I think their palates are certainly evolved enough at least to be able to enjoy what's on the kids' menu in the dining room. They always eat the same thing anyway. It's my, what my youngest daughter, I'm pretty sure, which is on a rail car in Greece, only eats cheeseburger and pizza the entire cruise anyway. So why am I going to the Windjammer for that? And on top of that, something that I've really changed my tune about is the nice thing about having dinner earlier is it opens up your evening a lot. When you have dinner at 8 o'clock, which isn't a problem, you're usually done around 9 or 9.30. So you're kind of getting that. By the time you're like ready to do something, you're talking about 9.30, 10 o'clock, right? By that point, your evening is, you know, you I wasn't you wasted the entire evening because you did have a lot of time before that, but it just seems like it's not the best use of our time. And anytime we've done like specialty dining and had an earlier dining time, we're always like amazed, like, wow, how much time there is in the evening here to enjoy. Because even though the main shows are usually working around the traditional dinner times, there's a lot of other events and activities, especially on an Oasis class ship, that occur in all the evening hours. So my hope is that not only will my family time dining allow us to enjoy uh, dinner together, but also potentially enjoy more time, more activities on board the ship in the evening hours. Now, if you're unfamiliar with my family time dining, despite it saying it's not actually my time dining, it is a traditional dining. You sit in the first seating of dinner. Your kids are served right away. And after about 45 minutes, Adventure Ocean staff comes to pick up the kids and take them to Adventure Ocean. So we get to enjoy a little bit of the meal together. They go away because Adventure Ocean takes them up there. And then my wife and I can enjoy our meal uh, alone, the rest of it. I think it's a pretty good blend, if you will, uh, balancing of spending time with the family, you know, with, with the kids, but not the entire meal there. And they certainly come in, they get what they need to eat. And then there's, I, th I feel like there's less wasted time. Now, the, the con to this is that you know, the downside to doing my family time dining is we have to get ready earlier. I mean, if you're talking about a 5 or 5.30 dinner time, 
obviously uh, that means we all got to get ready a little earlier than there. In this particular itinerary, I think it'll work okay. Other than St. John or St. Thomas, we don't have terrible amount of plans here that are required to stay late. So I don't anticipate this being a problem. And, and I feel like, again, the... The, the downside of having to get ready earlier just allows for more time in the later evening to enjoy. So I'm hopeful that this will be an, a, a good opportunity. I also want to talk about Adventure Ocean because this is all something, something different on board. With Navigator this season earlier this year, Royal Caribbean has begun implementing what I believe will be a fleet-wide program of revamping Adventure Ocean. Traditionally, Adventure Ocean, which is Royal Caribbean's children's programming, has been catered towards different age groups with structured programming for each group. So you had three to five, you had uh, six to eight, and then nine to 11 in the teen club, right? With the new Adventure Ocean, which we're going to have a chance to check out on, on Oasis of the Seas, they have essentially combined the three through 11-year-old groups. So the three to five-year-old group have their own little subsection. But the bottom line is the kids are all together, which is... I can see good or bad, depending on your perspective. And this is really where what we're trying to figure out, quite frankly. The nice thing is my eight-year-old daughter and my four-year-old daughter can now be in the same group together. There are some nights they want to spend time together. Other nights, not so much. And I got to tell you guys, in the grand scheme of questions I get about Adventure Ocean, all too often I get a question about, hey, we're traveling with our kids, our cousins. They want to be in the same group together, but they're not the same age. You know, I feel like this really solves that problem. And the idea is you have a, a much larger space, a dedicated larger Adventure Ocean space with a lot of different activities going on. There's still the counselors there. They're still offering things to do in you know, a programming, if you will. But the kids have the option of doing more stuff on their own. So I'm really curious to see is how this is going to fly because my three year, or my four year old rather loves the programming. She loves going and doing all the it's, it's like school for her. Right. Whereas my eight year old depending on the day, wants to do all sorts of different things. Sometimes she wants to play Gaga Ball with the group. Sometimes she wants to go color. Sometimes she wants to go, you know, play with her friends that are on there. It, it really depends. My hope is that it is going to offer both of them the opportunity to do what they want to do, but still be able to spend time together in the same room, especially later in the evening when the kids stay for late hours, they can spend more time together because after about 10 o'clock when you, they start charging for Adventure Ocean, typically a lot of parents pick up their kids and... After, by about an 11 or 12, my kids are the ones left with a couple others there. So having obviously more people there, more kids there to play with, I think is their, their advantage. My concern is that it's going to be more like a free range childcare where there's a large room. The kids are doing whatever they want to do. And I did like the fact that there was programming for the kids provided Royal Caribbean's original implementation of Venture Ocean. Again, there may still very well be that approach to it. It's going to be one of those things we're going to have to see how it's implemented. Uh, again, this is the, as far as I'm aware, this is among the first couple ships to get this change. Again, Navigator was the first uh, earlier this year, and Oasis is getting it here. So I'm curious to see what Adventure Ocean looks like because I know that our family is really interested in that as well. Now, speaking of new changes also to Oasis of the Seas, the new Portside Barbecue Restaurant is among one of the new changes there. And this is the first specialty restaurant. Uh, of this nature to be added to a Royal Caribbean ship. It's barbecue. Uh, it's it's based on the world famous barbecue of uh, primarily the South Texas. Really, um, it, it's supposed to be off offering authentic meat packed menu, uh, and uh, it's going to be an interesting choice. You know, I'll be the first to admit barbecue is not my favorite cuisine in the whole world. Look, I wasn't. I didn't grow up in the real South Florida. Doesn't count. 
But, you know, I'm, I it's not my go-to cuisine, but I certainly enjoy a good brisket as much as the next guy. So it'll be interesting to see how this implementation turns out. I am curious to try this a couple different times. Uh, there, What's interesting about this restaurant is it's a la carte pricing, which is good because then we're not committing ourselves to like, okay, we got to go, you know, spend a whole meal here like you would at Chop's Grill. Whereas this kind of reminds me a little bit of Playmakers where you have this kind of like you can drop in, grab one or two things, and then hop on out. Great for lunches, mid-afternoon snacks, things of that nature. So I'm, I'm excited to try this out and, and see what that's all about because I think that I think there's definitely potential here. And from the sounds of it, everything I've read so far, it looks very, very promising. And the last thing I'm also really excited for is the new reimagined pool deck. Again, going back to something that was first implemented on Navigator of the Seas, having a new Caribbean-style pool deck, at first I was like, okay, whatever, it's like some new chairs or what have you. But I really loved what they did with the pool deck on Navigator. There's new casitas, daybeds, hammocks, swing seats, new whirlpools added to the top deck, a refreshed solarium as well. Uh, and of course, the addition of the lime and coconut bar. I think this is really going to provide my wife and I more impetus to spend time on the pool deck because especially on Oasis class ships, I feel like we spend the least amount of time at the pool deck on these ships because it's more like, okay, well, there's so much going on. The pool deck is like, we'll do that on other ships. But I'm really curious to see what this kind of a change, the nature of it, uh, has an impact on, on our personal tastes and how much time we spend up there. But I am very uh, excited to see what they've done with it because I really loved, again, what happened on Navigator of the Seas. Now, of course, as you guys know, when I'm on a Royal Caribbean ship, I live blog it over at royalcaribbeanblog.com. I'll be live blogging my adventures on Oasis of the Seas over every day. So every day you wake up in the morning, have your cup of coffee, and check out what I did yesterday on Oasis of the Seas. I'll also be doing a live broadcast on our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and Periscope, so check those out as well. And of course, I always want to hear from you guys what you want to see and want to read about. Be sure to post those in the comments for that live blog. In fact, I'll post a link in this week's show notes for a link to where our live blog begins previewing everything I have coming up there. I'm super excited for it. Coming up in a couple days here, and I'm ready to get on board Oasis of the Seas. All right, let's hop into our listener email section of this podcast where I answer the emails you've sent me. We start off with our email. First one is from David. writes, love the podcast. Been listening since we did our first Royal Caribbean Cruise in 2016. Great tips and info. Keep it up. We're currently booked on Rhapsody of the Seas for a seven-night Italy and Adriatic cruise for next May. For a couple of the ports, Rome and Sicily, we've been a few times before and are planning on taking it more leisurely, not booking a tour to hit all the main sites. However, for Naples or Capri, we did want... We, we did want to take in a larger tour since there's so much to see only and only have about 11 and a half hours max on shore. We have looked at the Royal Caribbean excursions, but I'm guessing those larger groups, meaning we may be fighting our own crowd at each stop. We have looked at private shore excursions from a local company, but this is one and a half to two times the cost of the Royal Caribbean excursion, largely because it priced out a tour for two. One idea might be to get a group of people from a cruise that want to go on together for a private tour, like a van of six to eight rather than a bus of 50 to 75, bringing the cost per person down. However, we don't know anyone going on this cruise. Are there any forums, groups, or Facebook groups, etc., that form around a specific cruise or other methods to contact people booked for a cruise that might be interested in sharing a private tour like this? David, thanks for the email. Yes. Um, Facebook is probably the best way to do it. What you would want to do is go to Facebook, David, type in, you're going on Rhapsody. I would type in Rhapsody of the Seas, May, whatever the date is, right? There inevitably, there's usually a Facebook group there. Some are more popular than others. It really depends on the sailing time of year, et cetera. 
But that'd be the first place I would check, David, because it's gonna have a large, I've had pretty good luck with finding large following, especially in Royal Caribbean of these. I mean, you'll find, I, I think in general, you'll find probably more groups on for, for specific sailings in North America, but I do know the European ones exist as well. So I would start off there. There are also dedicated Facebook groups for simply the ship itself, like Rhapsody of the Sea. So search for that. Uh, that'd be where I would start with. I think it's a really good idea, dude. You're on the right path. It's exactly what I would recommend. Trying to get, you know, obviously a group for two, a little too pricey. But if you can get a group of 10, you can probably bring that price down quite a bit. Next, we have an email from Thomas. Right, hi, Matt. I ran into your blogs a few weeks ago as I was trying to search for a trip for my wife and I to take with our six-month-old daughter for her first vacation and ours in quite a while. This past year has been hectic to say the least with ups and downs of the jobs and the passing of my mother, but planning a vacation has been almost as hectic. I need advice or tips on how to book a great cruise, but not too expensive as income is limited at the time. Also advice on how to pay for the least amount as possible for my six-month-old daughter. I know my question is vague and loaded, possible hints and tips when planning an inexpensive cruise is amazing, but traveling with an infant, I'm also a little greedy and would want to experience the new ships. Thomas, number one, first of all, thanks for the email, dude. A couple things I want to share. Number one, look for a kid's sale-free deal. Every couple of months, I would say once per quarter, Thomas, so maybe four times a year, Royal Caribbean runs a kid's sale-free deal, in which there is absolutely kid's sale-free. When you and your wife pay for the, as the first two guests on the on the reservation, your child pays absolutely nothing extra for it other than taxes and, and fees. That's gonna be the cheapest way to do it because not only that, you can apply it towards any ship in the fleet, including the bigger ships. The only caveat is there's, there's a lot of blackout dates that go around traditional school holidays. Now, of course, your six month old is not in school, right? So if you can go during times of the year in which everyone else is in school and take advantage of a kid's sale free deal, you can save a lot of money. And we're talking about times like, you know, uh, most of January, uh, first two weeks of February, first two weeks of November, September, October, right? When school is in session. If you can do that, that's probably one of your best bets to go about it. Otherwise, what I would look at are sailings that allow you to go on new, but not newest ships in the fleet. So the, as I just talked about earlier, Oasis of the Seas, right? It's the fourth Oasis class ship, or the first Oasis class ship, the fourth oldest one. And the older the ship, the typically the price tends to go down a little bit. So whether they're talking about Oasis or Allure of the Seas, or even, even Anthem of the Seas, that can also bring the price down as well. And I would say that, also I have no idea where you live, Thomas, but if you can book a cruise that's somewhere that you can drive to instead of flying to, that'll save you a lot of money in, in and of itself. So. Hopefully, Thomas, that helps you out there. You know, it's it's. I know exactly that feeling where you want to save money, but you also don't want to compromise on the ship that you're going on. And certainly, I think that picking like an Oasis, an Allure, would be an opportunity to check out what Royal Caribbean is, their, their best offerings, but you're not paying the top dollar that you would be paying if you were sailing on Symphony of the Seas, as, as an example. Next is an email from Thomas, who writes, Hi, Matt, I've listening to your podcast and YouTube live streams for a few months now, and I love the information you provide to your listeners and viewers. I've been on two Royal Caribbean cruises in the past, one on Voyager and one on Liberty of the Seas. I recently booked my family in a two-bedroom grand suite cabin on Oasis of the Seas in January 2021. This will be our first time in a suite. My wife and her husband will be joining us as well, but in a separate ocean view balcony cabin. My question is regarding the priority embarkation and disembarkation process. Can we, as an entire family, my mom and her husband included, use the priority embarkation and disembarkation perk, or will we be separated since they are not in a suite category? I'm aware they are unable to visit the suite lounge, coastal kitchen, private sun deck, etc. but it'd be nice to stay together as we board the ship. I really don't want to give up the priority embarkation, disembarkation, because we have a one-year-old with us at the time of sailing. Um... The answer is it depends. I have heard of people allowing it and not allowing it. When you're in the port, 
before your cruise begins, right? You're in the terminal, you do the check-in. The people that work there are not Royal Caribbean employees in the sense, they're, they're port employees that work there. They're usually retirees who are saying, oh, you know, sir, madam, you're a diamond member, you're a sweet guest here, this is where you go. And I have seen it, it's one of those it depends kind of things. I've certainly seen it. You should, ex here's what I would do, Thomas. You could certainly ask and ask politely about it. But like all the other perks you mentioned, this is one of the, again, it is for sweet guests and it is reserved for sweet guests. I'm not saying that they won't allow you to do it, but I wouldn't necessarily expect it to be the case. I know it's not the answer you're looking for. I can tell you that your fam if you come into the port early enough, Thomas, if you get to the port, you know what, you do check in around 10, 10.30 a.m., you will, regardless of the fact that your uh, your your parents or whomever is not staying in the suite, doesn't isn't in the suite, even if you board first, I guarantee you they're gonna be very shortly on behind you. I mean, there, you don't get that much more time, especially that early in the morning. I think the benefit really is important when you are in a uh, situation where you're arriving a little later in the daytime, like closer to noontime, in which you see a large uh, array of guests showing up there. But, you know, these days, the ship's board so quickly, so efficiently, it, it's you're only talking about a couple of minutes here. It's not like you're gonna get on board and there'll be an hour later before everybody else gets on board. That's just simply not my experience talking about this. So you can ask, you never know. But again, you should also keep your expectations in line and be okay with the answer being no, because again, this is why you book a suite, right? Think about it the other way. You know, if you had a family of, you know, who books a suite and then they bring their 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 group of 20 on there behind them, how would you feel about that? And I know it's not the same situation because we're talking about two people versus 20, but it's the principle of the matter, I think, in a lot of cases. Anyway, I digress. Um, hopefully that answers your question. Next is an email from Joseph. Reyes. Hi, Matt. Love the podcast and the website. Been listening to the show for a little while. Can't get enough of your weekly Royal Caribbean fix. Just got off Navigator this season last week and loved it. We did Perfect Night in Coco Key, and my eight-year-old son has been bugging me every day to go back. Luckily, we have Symphony booked in May, so we'll be there soon enough. I might sneak on a Mariner trip before then, but he won't know that. Shh. <laughs> Anyways, I was thinking about the episode a while back where you were talking about a feature you wish you would see on a cruise ship, and after being a perfect day and on Navigator, it hit me. We need a lazy river. I love lazy rivers. And when I was on Coco Key, I thought, man, that would have been icing on the cake. Then I thought how awesome it would be to be floating in the lazy river on an Oasis class ship, winding back and forth through the top deck one can dream. You know, Joseph, I, thank you for the email. I would say in the grand scheme of, you know, people who've openly dreamed about what they'd love to see on, on a cruise ship or even a perfect day, the lazy river is like number one with a bullet. I, I mean, obviously the reason why it's not on a cruise ship is you need a lot of space for a lazy river to do it well. I mean, otherwise you're just talking about a elongated pool deck and uh, you know, it doesn't really work quite the same experience. Uh, now talking about Perfect Day Coco Key, you know, that's a whole different story because obviously you have a little more space to work with. Could I see it happening? Absolutely. I would be the first to tell you though that I feel like lazy rivers are nice, but I don't know, man, unless you have like a ton of space for it, I just feel like it, I'm never, I'm not, the, I'm not the world's biggest lazy river fan. I think it's cool. I usually do like one lap in it and then I'm like, all right, let me go back to the pool or something. You know, it's not like the place I want to chill. It's very difficult to chat with. I think part of being in a pool is the social aspect of it. You know, you're, you're enjoying drinks, you're laughing, you're watching the kids splash together and lazy river, you can't do any of that stuff, right? Because you're, unless you all like hold hands or hold each other's, you know, inner tubes, you're all moving at different paces. The kids will want to go ahead of you it's more of like an experience, like a little quick thing than like the full day thing. Whereas in the Oasis Lagoon pool at Perfect Day Coco Key, you can do exactly what I think most people are looking for. Chilling, relaxing, kids are over there, you keep an eye on them and you're good to go. 
hope that makes sense. I mean, I, I'm, I know, again, you might be saying, well, Matt, you're completely crazy. We love Lazy Rivers. I'm sure there's a lot of people who are thinking that as well. So really appreciate it. Joseph, thank you for the email. We have time for, I think, one or two more emails here. It is from Gail from Michigan. Right, time I love your cruise info. It's invaluable. My question is, can I use my royalty, royal loyalty number and points on Celebrity Razamara and vice versa? Have you ever cruised these sister companies? Thank you. Gail, you can use on Celebrity. I do know you can't. If you are whatever crown and anchor status you are in Royal Caribbean, you can apply that or have it matched in Celebrity. Now, keep in mind, Gail, if you are diamond in crown and anchor society they will match your equivalent status in the captain's club of celebrity cruises but you will accrue points back at zero so what that means is you'll retain what well, i don't even know the statuses are in, in in the in the captain's club but you'll always have that status but until you actually accrue enough points in celebrity to exceed the match status you'll always remain there that makes sense uh, you basically what i'm trying to say is you're not going to start off accruing points at that new status you're you're doing it back at zero, but they will honor your equivalent status until that point. I also know that it's a one-time thing, Gail. So if you are, you know, gold in Crown and Anchor Society, which is obviously the lowest level, and you go to Celebrity and they match your status there, and then you do a bunch of welcoming cruises, get up to Diamond, they won't rematch you. So keep that in mind as well if you're trying to time things out. Azamara, I am not 100% certain on if they do that or not. I haven't, I, I, I honestly don't have enough insight on that. Maybe some of our can share their uh, what happens there with Azamar in the uh, comments below this episode in the in the show notes. And I have not sailed on any of these companies yet. You know, primarily when I my the amount of time I have to vacation because that's what we're talking about here on a cruise has been fairly limited. And so with that in mind, I focus on a real career. I would like to try out at least Celebrity. Azamar would be nice down the line. Maybe you know I'm not I'm not sure what to probably to bring me somewhere I can't go on either other the other cruise lines. But I think celebrity is probably the most compelling choice because they're so similar and yet so different, if that makes sense. Like Azamara is a very much a smaller uh, adventure based uh, uh, cruise line, whereas celebrity is still a mass market, but premium cruise line. So, you know, it's still a similar overall experience, if you will, on a, in a very vague sense compared to Royal Caribbean International. So from that standpoint, I'd love to see that. And these days, the line between Celebrity and Royal Caribbean is really blurred. I mean, when I first started RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, they were very more separate, I think. I don't even think it's a word, very more separate. Anyway, they were much different than they are now. There's a lot of policies and activities and things essentially that have been implemented across both ships. Either one innovates and then the other one gets it or vice versa. It's kind of interesting to look at. So again, I would love to see what that looks like. I'm not sure when that'll be. But at some point, I could totally see that happening, Gail, because I think there are you're not the first person to bring that up. And I think from that standpoint, it's certainly worth uh, investigating. In the name of research, I will go on a celebrity cruise eventually. And our last email is from Karen, right? So I just started listening to your blog and I love it. Thank you. The information is awesome. My husband and I are going on Serenity to the Seas. This will be our first vacation ever with our children. We're looking forward to it. My question is, does Rogerman allow you to take the take off the automatic gratuity from your account? My husband likes to personally hand deliver the tips to people. Is there a service charge for room service on the ship? Yes, you can take it off. You go to guest services, explain what you want to do there, and then you just have to, your husband obviously has to hand deliver the tips. And again, I know you, you said this out there, Karen. Um, that, that's totally cool. I just want to put this out for everybody else that just because you take the gratuities off doesn't mean you are unobligated to give gratuities. You must give gratuities, so keep that in mind. And there is a room service charge uh, on the ship. Yes, um, it's $7.95 per order. 
Karen. So whether you order like one thing or 20 things, the service charge is always $7.95. Uh, also, we're stopping at St. Kitts, St. Lucia, Barbados, Grenada, and Antigua. Are the ports situated where it'd be easy to walk off the ship and walk around the town or easily get to a beach? Or would I absolutely have to take an excursion to do anything? My husband is a disabled veteran and not always able to do an excursion depending on how he feels that day. So I hate to book one and not be able to go on it. Thanks for any help and advice. So it depends on the port. I mean, St. Lucia, no, you're kind of, there's everything is requires a car ride away. Uh, Antigua, there's a little shopping area nearby. But it, I think in most cases, you, it's, to go to a beach, you're going to need a, a taxi at the very least. Now, here's the good news, Karen. You don't have to book an excursion. Uh, you should feel okay with not booking anything because of the situation your husband is in and winging it. I mean, my advice is if he's feeling up for it, you get off the ship, you find a taxi, and you're off to the races. I mean, if he feels good about it even the day before, you know, that evening is like, you know what, Karen? I'm feeling good right now. We should definitely book something. Go to the shore excursion desk. They can totally book something for you. Even uh, They even do... The shore excursion desk will even book you excursions the same day, assuming they haven't left yet. So don't overlook that as an option as well, uh, especially because you mentioned that your husband is, is disabled. And so obviously you may or may not need a, a handicap accessible uh, uh, transportation option, which would be easier to get through Royal Caribbean than on your own. But at the very least, you should feel confident in knowing there's plenty of third party options as soon as you get off the ship there. Uh, to provide you with transportation and, and other options as well. Some ports are better than others in terms of what you can do right off the ship. But I think if you're looking really for like, you know, to get into town or walk around the beach, in a lot of cases, I think you're going to you're gonna be dependent on a, a taxi. St. Kitts is probably the easiest because they have a fairly large port area. When your ship docks, you simply walk off there, kind of like Falmouth or uh, Cozumel, where there's a large area. It's, it's developed by the port facility, so certainly not very authentic, but... Plenty of restaurant shopping and whatnot. Easy to get off uh, and get back on board if you need to. So I would say St. Kitts is probably the easiest. I've never been to Grenada, so I have no idea. Uh, St. Lucia is the opposite. St. Lucia is everything requires a tax. It's very expensive there. Uh, Barbados, I did a bus tour. I don't remember what was necessarily. I can't picture my mind what was right around the port area in Barbados. But I do remember the best beaches did require a taxi right there. And Antigua has amazing beaches but you need a taxi. Your ship does dock though, right in the middle of the downtown area. So at least you can do some shopping in that port. So hopefully that answers your question. There gives you a little direction there, Karen. Thanks for the email. Thanks to everybody for sending in an email here. If you want to send me your email to be answered on this podcast, you can do so by sending it to Matt, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, we'll talk again soon.